This is a Broad Pods production. Funny for a woman. Hey, fellow broads. Okay, it's time for a good laugh, so get ready to hear some of the funniest gals in the game who make us cry with laughter, gasp with familiarity, and remind us that life doesn't have to be serious all the time. So sit back, grab a snack, and maybe duck to the loo now because, well, you know. Well, if there's anyone I would love to spend 20 minutes with, it's Judith Lucy, one of Australia's best comedians and the queen of self-deprecation and telling life like it is. Here she joins us on the morning of the 40th episode of our live broadcast of Broad Radio. So we begin by delving into what turning 40 and 50 and all those significant birthdays are like. My co-host is Shelley Ware, I'm Jo Stanley, and this is the inimitable Judith Lucy. Hello, and... Oh, God, I've got a pop. Happy oh! birthday! Oh! <laughs> Happy 40th! Oh, my goodness. Do you remember your 40th oh, or your 50th? How do you go with significant birthdays, Jude? Well, I've been really lucky because just before I turned 40, a really significant relationship ended. And just before I turned 50, a really significant relationship ended. But I must say, I did not have a problem with turning 40. And I had this great little experience happen because I was meant to have a big party, relationship ended, thought, no, I won't do that. So I just had sort of a small dinner in my house. But I still did the thing of, you know, telling my neighbours, putting a little letter in their letterboxes. Anyway, I was cleaning my house. I'd mopped the floor. Beautiful visual for everyone there. <laughs> I was waiting for it to dry. And then so my front door was open. This woman knocked on the door and I'm up the other end of the house, which that makes it sound like a mansion. It was about two metres away. And um, <laughs> she had a bottle of champagne and she we just yelled the whole conversation, but she just went, I'm your next door neighbour's mother. And I wanted to say happy 40th. I'm 73 and I'd give anything to be 40 again. And look, to be oh. honest, the champagne was shit. But the sentiment... <laughs> The sentiment was wonderful. So I actually felt great about 40, 50, mm. 50 I found slightly more challenging, I will admit. Mm. And that was really because my life had just completely fallen apart. And that's, I think, what's going to do it to you every time. And it's some of the stuff you were touching on, like my brother died a few years before that. Mm. I became menopausal. I had the whole midlife crisis. I had a horrendous relationship breakup. And there's no getting around the fact that when you hit 50, the chances of you living, you know, you've got less mm. time ahead mm. of you. Let's be brutally mm. honest, unless I'm living till I'm past 100. And if my past is anything to go by, if I make it past 65, it'll be a miracle. So I'm just aware of the clock ticking. Yes. It's so true. That's, that's, I think I actually cried about that last week, to be perfectly honest with you. I looked at my son and I was like, I don't have enough time. I got very, very upset. So I hear no, you. you're never going to have enough time. But it's everything you were saying, Joe. That's why you've just got to, you know, be in the moment as much as you can without getting all Eckhart Tolle or however mm. you pronounce it on us. But, yeah. <laughs> and I kind of like after plunging into the depths of despair about it, then I just went, okay well what can my body still do and instead of getting really down about you know wrinkles and menopause and a dry vagina I thought <laughs> oh, God damn it 
Um, look, look, I'm still doing yoga. I'm still, I learned how to ride a bike last year. I'm getting my learners. I am this, look, this is what I decided to do in my 50s. I decided to actually learn the skills that most people learned when they were a toddler or a teenager. <laughs> so I've learned how to ride a bike. I'm having swimming lessons. Well, I will when we're allowed to do that again. I'm learning how to drive. So, you know, it's it, it's all ahead of me. Well, that's the straw I'm clutching on to. <laughs> you know, um, I really, oh, I didn't bring it down here. I was going to bring my, um, uh, my copy of your book, Turns Out I'm Fine, which really does kind of, it, it paints a picture of the very difficult time that you had over the last few years around your beautiful brother dying and your, your relationship breakup and all of those terrible things that you went through. But it's navigating age. That's what you're doing in this book. And I'm going to quote you. I love it. You said, I knew I wanted not just to make peace with aging, but embrace it. And that society wasn't going to help me with that. Do you think we ever find peace? Oh, my theory is that you have a moment of incredible clarity and insight and you go, oh, my God, I get it. And then you drop dead. Uh, I, think, I think it's just a lifelong battle, really. Don't you think it's like it's like peeling an onion? Because I feel like in my thirties, I went, "Oh God, I was an idiot in my twenties, and I worked some stuff out." And then you get to forty, and it's the same thing. You know, you thought you maybe knew some stuff in your thirties, and then you go, "No, I didn't." And so I do absolutely feel that you get wiser as you get older. But I don't think the process ever stops. I don't mm. think you ever wake up one morning and go, well, that's life sorted. <laughs> and, you know, you're on some plateau from there on in, some plateau of incredible joy and contentment. I don't think so. I think you, I think, I actually believe one of the reasons we're here is just to keep learning. And what, one thing I've been learning is this morning has gone along is every now and then I'll, I'll just get a glimpse of myself, which is horrifying. And the unfortunate thing is I haven't had a haircut now for about four months. And those people with curly hair will know that after a point, it doesn't grow down, it just grows out. <laughs> so it was just um, it was just alarming to see the cover of the book and remember what it was like when, you know, there was some style happening. But anyway, these are the sort of details that I'm meant to be letting go of <laughs> when I'm in my 50s. Now, one of the blessings of lockdown you've just touched on is certainly not going in anywhere but it's also that we are wearing these lovely masks and hiding ourselves when we go out so besides your hair have you bothered with any other beauty during lockdown do you know Shelley and this is one of the things about aging it does become a lot about management uh, <laughs> managing the physical stuff because I went over and had dinner with my bubble buddy Andrea and, and thank god you can do that I mean I don't know if you remember um, when in Melbourne, you know, you could see an intimate partner, but you couldn't see a friend. And that was really challenging if you were a single person living alone. Like at one point, Andrea rang me up last year and said, you know, I just want to come over for a cup of tea. And I said, well, it's all very well and good, but to keep this legal, you're going to have to sit on my face. And apart from anything else, <laughs> that would have made drinking my old grey tea very tricky. But anyway, <laughs> sorry to any parents who might have to explain that joke to their children. But I went over to Andrea's house a couple of um, weekends ago and before I went, I had to do my feet exercises because my bunions have really 
uh, turned into something. And the other thing I had to do was shave my face. Because, of course, <laughs> the great thing about wearing a mask is that it does hide a lot of stuff that's going on. And I have honestly reached a point where um, part of my beauty regime is now face shaving. I was in my therapist's toilet just before the whole pandemic hit. And I don't know whether she was angling for more sessions or, or what. She's a wonderful therapist, but it's the brightest bathroom in the world. And, you know, I was looking at myself in the mirror. I was probably reapplying my lipstick. And I had this moment of just going, oh, my God, I'm so hairy. I look like a German <laughs> shepherd. And look, if you decided to embrace your facial hair, then I take my hat off to you. But I'm not there yet. Mm. I'm not quite ready to look like a half woman, half dandelion. So I, start, I bought one of those shavers that, well, Denise Scott and I both yes. bought one. Yes. And we started shaving and then Scotty made the um, discovery that uh, it was great, but then a couple of days later she had stubble. And this was a real thing because, of course, as she pointed out, that's all well and good if you're in a boy band. But as a middle-aged <laughs> woman, stubble is not what you want to greet the world with. So then I bought another um, contraption that actually rips it out at the root. So it means I've got a smoother finish once I've stopped bleeding. <laughs> You know, we, we actually um, we had Scotty on the show earlier this year and she pulled out the lady shaver and she actually did it. She demonstrated the lady shaver on the show, which was um, it was a real treat. Um, but I, I would agree with you that, I mean, how shit's menopause? And I have to acknowledge there's a dog barking, which I do <laughs> as a part of it's live um but how shit's menopause that you lose your eyesight and grow whiskers at the same time so you don't know that it's there but yeah but is that meant to be the thing that's comforting that we just you know we can't see things quite as clearly as we used to so then it's just really up to other people to be horrified on our behalf And we're just blindly forging ahead, just thinking, I look fantastic. Yes. It's terrible, isn't it? Because I feel like if we lived in a different sort of society, we wouldn't hate menopause as much as we do. Because, I mean, without, I don't know, sounding like I'm about to start talking about my yoni, I, I just really feel that, you know, we're so obsessed with youth and we're so obsessed with women being past their use-by date after a certain age that you are meant to feel. Um, you are meant to feel kind of like like it's some sort of death knell mm. instead of going, okay, well, this is a completely natural process that all cis women will go through and it's actually just moving on to the next stage of life where I should be wiser and respected and feeling good in my own skin. But unfortunately, because of the world we live in, we just go, oh, my God, I don't look 27 anymore. I should take my own life. So I get a bit <laughs> resentful about that. Hello Broads. Before we go to the break, I want to tell you about Broad Generation. It's our podcast production studio and we make great podcasts that are smart, funny, moving, inspirational, even courageous. So is that you? Have you got a hankering to make a podcast? Whether you've got a story to tell or a business to sell and you think a female-led podcast production studio is for you, we're here to help. From concept to delivery, our award-winning producers at Broad Generation will guide you through and bring your ideas to life. Hit record with us. Head to broadgeneration.com.au. So in your book, It Turns Out I'm Fine, you talk a lot about menopause. 
exactly how she was your experience for the listeners? Um, and, you know, I do want to point out that turns out I'm fine. I have set a pretty low bar. It's not like I've gone, turns out I'm amazing. I've just gone, <laughs> turns out I'm fine. And, you know, it should probably have been turns out I'm fine for now. But, um, I look, I think for me, I actually had a slightly unusual menopause experience because my brother died when I was 46 and I just became menopausal like that, just overnight. So there was no peri, peri. I hadn't gone to Nando's. There was nothing <laughs> like that. I just seemed to plunge straight into it. And I did not um, menstruate, like not a drop for two and a half years. So, of course, I thought, well, that's that. And then I started getting sort of weird half periods again. So, And that's the wonderful thing about menopause. I think everyone goes on their own special personal journey. But I remember when I first read about it, well, when I first realised, oh, my God, this is it. And I remember coming across this hideous article that had all of these potential symptoms. And some of the ones that horrified me the most were um, change of odour, uh, incontinence. It said there were three types of incontinence, but my favourite was urge incontinence where, and I quote, the bladder develops a mind of its own. <laughs> you know, oh, needs a toilet, there's a shoe. I mean, I thought, isn't life hard enough without things like urge incontinence? And, of course, we all know about the hot flushes, but one of the symptoms as they described it was some, for some women the hot flushes are so bad they feel like they are being engulfed by flames. <laughs> You know, stop yeah. screaming, Joan of Arc. It was just hormonal. <laughs> and it's just incredible to me that on top of all the other crap women have to deal with, we're dealing with that. And it's only really quite recently that people have started talking about menopause. I mean, I look back now on when my mother was clearly going through it and, of course, she didn't say a word mm. and she was obviously just expected to suck it up. I know it's extraordinary. Back then, it was just you, they might have referred to the change, but that was it. Yeah. There was no, there was no conversation around it, and certainly there was no opportunity to go and seek help. Um, I, I love, love, love the book, Judith. I, you know, I Thanks started, I sta I started stand up around. You know, you had already been on the scene for quite a long. Oh, well, I don't know, maybe a few years. I don't know when I started doing well, stand up. Because I'm, I'm fifty three, so I'm certainly a few years ahead and. In that area. Yeah, but, well, what I, what I remember, though, Jude, was how important it was to me to see you doing stand-up mm -hmm. in a, such a male-dominated industry. And uh, to see you do it, it, from my perspective, it looked like you were doing it with ease. You were so, from the minute you're on stage, so self-assured, so funny. Um, but then reading your book, you know, to learn the anxiety that comes with it. And I, I found that so amazing because I just assumed, isn't that just standard for performance, right? But to uh, your audience wouldn't have any idea of the anxiety that you're managing when you're working. We're all just pretending, aren't we? <laughs> um, I'm actually, I must admit, the anxiety, um, as you would know from the book, it, I went through periods where it was quite crippling and I was having panic attacks on stage and that was hideous because suddenly something that I really loved doing became something that I actually dreaded from the moment I woke up in the morning. And thanks to, you know, 
Yoga and meditation mainly for me. <laughs> um, I I am now so much better in terms of anxiety, and so I I mean that's one of the great that has been one of the great things about aging for me is that I am probably having more fun on stage now than I ever have before. So it'll be great when I actually get to do that again mm-hmm. and remember what it's like to be in front of an audience. But I I mean you are right though in that. Um, no, hopefully the audience would never have picked it. And I think you would obviously know this too, Joe. I mean, audiences are like wolves. They can just smell the fear on you. Mm. So if you don't go out there looking supremely confident and like you're totally on top of everything that's going on, people know that. And that means you just don't get the laughs. So yes, there was a there was a bit of acting going on there. But now I feel like I finally... I don't know. I finally reached a good point, which means I'm probably about to drop dead. But hopefully (laughs) not. But can I say, honestly, if we're doing a bit of, you know, blowing smoke up people's bottoms, I think the fact that you're doing this and what you've particularly done, not just women in comedy, but women in radio, is just unbelievably impressive. And the fact that you have started this station... I just applaud you, Joe Stanley. Uh, seriously, I think it's fantastic. And I, I did not have the illustrious career in radio that you had, but I certainly experienced how difficult can be, it can be as a woman on commercial radio. And so the fact that you have done this, I just think is, yeah, incredible and deserves all our support. Oh, thanks, Jude. That's that's really lovely. I mean, I, you and I have had uh, different experiences of radio, but also the same in that it's, yeah. it's a hard game and uh, you're surrounded by people, largely men, who... Um, don't have your best interest at heart <laughs> and aren't the kindest and it can be a really brutal game and mm-hmm. I guess broad radio for me is because I love radio still yeah I love well, it you're so good at it so yeah but but there's a way of making it inclusive and really warm and kind and compassionate and and really bring that feminine energy that I think a lot of radio lacks so um and and also voices of women over 40 isn't that unique um, it simply is unique. And this is what I find really fascinating and kind of extraordinary and wonderful about women is that so often um, we have to make our own work, especially mm. after a certain age. You kind of go, oh, okay, so you're not going to employ me anymore. Um, so now I guess I'll just have to do my own stuff. And I have seen women do that time and time again. And, I mean, this is kind of why my main things now are performing live, doing a podcast series and writing a book because that was essentially work I could make for myself because, you know, I'm finding it really hard to get a gig on television these days. Commercial radio said goodbye to me a long time ago. But what I love about the women that I really respect is that we go, well, that's not going to shut us up. We will find a way. (laughs) We will find a way because we know the audience is out there. Yeah, And it's just the gatekeepers that decide, well, you're a woman over 40, maybe you should be dead now. But no, <laughs> there are lots of people out there who still want to hear from us. So we just have to navigate our way through to find them. And that's exactly what you're doing. So it's great. Oh, thanks. And shall I see you thanks. nodding when it comes to the fact that we have to make our own, our own work and find our audiences which are there? Yeah, so, so true. I've worked in television for 20 years and... No longer. Now I'm 50. Ta-da, Shelley. <laughs> and you really realise what happened? I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't have been said overtly, but would you it's put it It's playing a that? huge role. Yes. Yeah. It's very obvious that's what's happened. Yeah. It's part of the part of the reason, I would say definitely. 
Well, I'm just... It's, Look at it's us going. Because I think we all know that it does not affect our male colleagues in the same way. Mm. I am seeing, you know, men in their 50s, mm. white, straight men, going great guns. Mm. And it, it's kind of like you do go, hang on, aren't we meant to be trying to make the landscape like about a million times more diverse? And yet that just doesn't really seem to be happening. Yeah, it's it's really quite baffling. And, geez, I'm happy to swoop in on your availability, Shelley. And you too, Jude, let's get you back on the show. And when we're a fully-fledged station, yes, please. let's get you and Kaz Cook back on air. I would love that. Oh, as would Kaz Cook and I, because this is the thing, like you. I mean, I love radio, but there are actually just so... So many, the, the opportunities are so limited, especially mm. if you're a woman. So, again, mm. God bless you, Joe Stanley. Oh, well, God bless you too, okay. Judith Lucy. I have to mention that you, um, we're, we're running out of time, unfortunately, but so you've, you, you know, you found this great purpose and doing incredible work with uh, the Ningaloo Project. Tell us very quickly about that. Oh, so I just had an amazing experience. Some people might have known I did a podcast series for the ABC called Jeff Lucy Overwhelmed and Dying. And um, that ended with me having this incredible experience where I got to go snorkeling at Ningaloo Reef with a humpback whale and then a whale shark while author Tim Winton was holding my hand. And I am a huge Tim Winton tragic. So I just had this moment. I was above a humpback whale. I'm a terrible swimmer, which is why Tim Winton had to hold my hand. And I honestly remember... I remember thinking if I drop dead right now, that would be kind of fine. Um, it, it, life's not going to get much better than this. But it was that moment where I kind of went from going, yeah, climate change is a bummer, but hasn't Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio kind of got it covered? He'll sort it out. You know, doing the stuff that we all do, like recycling mm. and trying to take mm. more public transport. But there was something about that experience that just made me go, no, this is the most important mm. thing. How could I not make this issue the most important issue? Because it affects everything else that I feel strongly mm. about. You know, uh, educating women is going to be one of the things that, you know, makes a real difference when it comes to climate change refugees we know that that is a problem that is only going to get so much worse because of climate change so it's kind of like if we don't start off with that and then sort out all the other stuff we need to around it like you know inequality then i don't know where we are so mm. yes i must admit i have become one of those women in their 50s who's you know really going with a cause i agree with you judith thank you so much and well done it's just awesome to have you on the show we'll have you again sometime that would be wonderful. I look forward to the, you looking back on your 40th birthday and going, that was nothing. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> you bet. Thanks, Drew. Take care.